As I get to talk to you from our, I need, I need to give you an announcement. You're going to have a new pastor this year. Some of you are excited. Because <laughs> uh, you were just waiting for the day that I'd leave. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about me. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that I'm, I'm experiencing uh, renewal in my spiritual life. Uh, not that I was, I think, way off the ranch or anything like that, but God is becoming more apparent to me in my own experience with him. And I pray, and I'm not trying to sort it out and think uh, too heavily about it, I'm, I'm just praying that God continues. Uh, to, I, I trust you're praying for me. I trust that this is happening as a result of people you know, praying that God would uh, minister to me as a leader and to our leadership here. But uh, I want to I wanna just share with you some of the things that God's teaching me and, and the newness that he's given me, and I, I want to uh, lead you, hopefully, by God's grace into those things in your own life as well. Can I pray for us, this new pastor of yours? So nobody, nobody was worried that I was leaving? Anyway, uh, all right. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, that's why I said that that way. Isn't that fun? Lord, thank you so much for this chance to hang out and this chance to uh, start another calendar together. Uh, this is the first Sunday of 2018. We've got a whole year ahead of us. Uh, there will be many choices and opportunities. Uh, there will be, as the video uh, and the songs we sang uh, you know, depict, uh, there's going to be hard things, and, and we're going to need you through it all, through our victories and through our trials. Uh, we're going to need your grace. We're going to need your presence. Uh, we're going to need you. And so, Lord, uh, we want to set our uh, GPS, our spiritual GPS, uh, you know, right this morning. We want to we focus on you, give you our uh, all, surrender more deeply to you this year. Help us do that. Help us to start even today. I know we came in here cold. Uh, Maybe some of us have you know, other plans for the rest of the uh, afternoon. Uh, but here's my prayer, God, in these next 30 or so minutes or so. Uh, I pray that we would just um, be focused on you and on the things that you have to say to us. I pray that you'd speak through me this morning and that you would lead us, God, into this newness, this, this, this next uh, phase of existence with you, of, of life with you. It D- doesn't matter where we are, God. If we're just trying to figure out, I pray that you'd lead us into faith for the first time. If we've known you for a long time, I pray that you would renew us in our spirits, and that you would give us, God, a passion for you and for what you would have for us in this coming year. Speak through me now, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I was... Uh, uh, you know, given the task of, of uh, writing a sermon that wasn't pre-planned, just so you know how pastors typically work, is they plan out, you know, three, four months worth of sermons with texts, and they kind of have, you know, it's, it's like a teacher having a teaching plan. You kind of have a sense of where you're going, but then every once in a while we have these, these one-offs, these Sundays that are just like, hey, whatever you want to say, you know, I'm, I'm the determiner of that, and so I was the one who had said that to myself. And, uh, but, I, but I went off on vacation, and I hadn't, I hadn't pre-planned. I got through all the Christmas stuff. Thanks for being a part of that. That was such a successful season for us. Uh, like 3,000 people came to Christmas Eve. It was awesome. Uh, but uh, it was just kind of, you know, uh, Christmas Day, I got on a plane. I flew up to see my family and Eleanor's family uh, up in the north, and it never got uh, <laughs> above 20 degrees up there. It was awesome. Uh, some of you don't like the cold. I love it. Uh, but I just hadn't thought about a sermon, so I got back um, to my office this past Tuesday and, and started cranking this sucker out. And, and, and here's, I'm going to tell you how this sermon kind of got started. It started in a, in a truck that we were driving from Kentucky to Illinois, from where Eleanor's family lives to where my family lives. And we were listening to Spotify. It's one of these music services uh, through the, you know, the, the, the Bluetooth on the, on, the, on the car stereo. And, uh, and my kids were in control. Anybody got kids? They, played, they play music that I don't know. 
And I, listen, I, I like to think of myself as eclectic. I'm very open to all kinds of styles of music. I just didn't get most of what they were playing, all right? So, so basically what I said is, all right, here, you got to play stuff that we all know. In fact, let's go memory lane. Spotify, you get anything you want. So let's just all play albums and songs that we know from our family history. It was just this great, you know, the five of us family time. So, so they went back to this one album that we uh, listened to ad nauseum in 2008. It came out it was a, by a band called Switchfoot. And, this, and the second song on this album, uh, well, it goes something like this. Can you play it for us? Sing it. I know it. We cranked this part right here. So we, I was listening to that song. Loved that song when it came out. Still love it today. And I love uh, the, the tune and all that's nice. But I love what it asks. Because here's what the song asks. It's, it's first of all implores you, don't close your eyes. Don't refuse to see what's going on in you. Right? And then it asks the question, hey, this is your life. I'm asking you this question this morning. This, this is your life. You chose to use this part of your life to sit here on a cold Sunday morning. Thanks for doing it. But this is your life. Are you who you want to be? I hope every one of us in here can answer. In some parts, yeah. By the glory of God, I'm content. I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm not you know, dis, dissatisfied in an unholy way. But then I hope all of us can wholeheartedly admit that we have not arrived and that there is so much more that God has for us in this life. I don't care how long you've been following him. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? I listen to that uh, again for the how many hundredth time, thousandth time, I don't know, but for the first time. Because I realized that the age of 48, in my 14th year of being your pastor, I'm not who I want to be. There's more that God has for me. There's more that God has for you. And so with that song as my backdrop, I came back to my office and I, I, I said, God, what do you want me to preach this week? I ask that every time I preach, but this one in particular, I had nothing. So I was like, literally, Lord, tell me what you want me to preach this week. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, uh, he took me back to, this my, this my college Bible. When I was 18 years old, my sister, uh, as I graduated from high school, knew I was going to go to Moody Bible Institute. And uh, so she knew I didn't have a Bible. I hadn't read one, really. Been a pastor's kid my whole life and never really bothered. And uh, so... Uh, she, uh, she got me a Bible, and this is it. And uh, it sat on my uh, bookshelf in my dorm room for most of my freshman year and part of my sophomore year. It was the textbook that I studied at Bible school, but it wasn't God's word for a Christ follower yet. Uh, we'll go, go through all the things that happened, but, but around uh, mid-year of my sophomore year of college, I came online with Jesus. I'd always believed in him, I'd put my faith in him a, 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 you know, a, a long time ago as a kid, but when I really fell in love with Jesus, I was 19 years old. And I couldn't get enough of this book. I was like, where's this been all my life? And been on my shelf. And I just started taking colored pencils, and I didn't get through the whole book, but parts of it I just kind of, well, I don't know if you can see it. It's, you can't, but uh, trust me. 
Uh, there's lots of writing, especially in the book of Proverbs. I have no idea why a 19-year-old Mark decided to read the Proverbs first. But I just read the Proverbs. I don't know if you know a whole lot about them, but it's basically 31 chapters. It's a great book to try to read a chapter a day for a month, especially on those months that have 31 days. See the math? <laughs> and it's just kind of this collection of wise sayings. It's written down mostly by a guy named Solomon. There's some other contributors, but mostly Solomon sits down and he just says, hey, man, here, here's wisdom. And he, and, he, and he spends the first nine chapters of this book writing specifically to his sons. Or, or maybe there was like a, a stenographer, a court you know, recorder person who was kind of sitting in on one of those father-son chats by the fire, and, and they just kind of tapped out everything that was, was coming from Solomon's mouth to the, to the princes of Israel. And for the first nine chapters, that's what we got. And Solomon says things like, hey, man, listen, listen to me. Pay attention to me, boys, just like you and I have done with our kids. Pay attention. This is important. In chapter 1, verse 7, he says, listen, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. He gets that in early because he's going to talk a lot about wisdom, but he wants it all couched in this understanding that God first, God, in being in awe of God, being a respecter of God, being a follower of God, it's the, it's the, it's the starting point of every wise thing you'll ever do. And then he goes on to talk about wisdom in lots of different ways, but God led me to chapter four. He led me to this specific passage. That, as I read it, I was like, oh my, my goodness. Has anybody ever read a passage in scripture and been like, that's what the song's about? Anybody ever done that? Who grew up uh, singing this one in church? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go, Right? Saying that my whole life as a little kid, it's Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verse 20 is where we're going to start today. It says in uh, verse 20, uh, Solomon speaking to his sons, says, my son or my sons, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. He's, he's basically saying this, don't just listen to me, hear me. Husbands understand this entirely. Because husbands have this ability to listen to their wives and never hear them at all. Went out for a walk with Eleanor yesterday morning. It was a brisk morning. It took about 45 minutes to kind of plow around our neighborhood. And I just love the sound of my wife's voice. I'm just content to hear it. I'm not always comprehending what she says, though. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll just kind of float into whatever I'm thinking about. And I've learned after 26 years, almost 26 years of marriage, don't say yes when she says right <laughs> if you haven't been listening. Because you're going to end up doing stuff that you never wanted to do but you already said, oh yeah, yeah. I've learned to say, huh, a lot more frequently. <laughs> huh? Have you been listening to me? Absolutely. I just haven't been hearing you. Solomon says, hey fellas, I know you always listen to me, but you gotta hear me on this one. He goes on, he says, let, let not these words escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. He says, these words, should always be on your screen. I don't know what's on your phone home screen or your computer home screen, but there's something behind whatever else that you're doing. It's always there. And if you come back to home, it's the thing that you see. It's like a, a tattoo. I know we have different ideas, different stances on tattoos, but most of the times when people get tattoos, it's to remind them of something. Some of them are stupid. Some of you have some really stupid tattoos. No offense. But you just, you're just, you just wanted something on your body and it's dumb. But some of us have tattoos that remind us of a hard time in life, remind us of a loved one who's gone on uh, before us. 
Uh, they're, they're there, and, and so every time we look at them, every time we see them, we're, that's what, I'm not saying to go get a tattoo. Everybody hear me on that? But that's, that's what Solomon is saying. That's the strength of what he's saying. He's saying, listen, don't let this stuff escape from your sight. Commemorate this stuff. And then he says, keep them within your heart. The, the, the Bible talks about the heart. It actually mentions the word heart 300 times in the Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, the Greek word for heart is typically the word cardia. You can figure that out. But, uh, uh, but it, it doesn't mean the ticker. It doesn't mean the, the, the blood pumper. The heart, as the Bible understands, it's a spiritual locale in us that basically houses or is the seat of our emotions. It's the, it's the seat of our desires. It's, it's uh, from whence we uh, derive our directions. And he says, so listen, listen, fellas, sons, don't just listen to me, hear me. And everything that I'm telling you, all this wisdom, it's got to go in here. Because from in here, everything out here has its start. Keep them within your heart. He goes on, verse 22, he says, for these words, these wise sayings, these are life to those who find them, and they're healing for all their flesh. I was reading the paper uh, this morning. Uh, it's a Sunday morning thing that I do. Someone in Pasco County won $420 million in the lottery this past weekend. They haven't come forward. they got 60 days. I hope they figure it out. That would be a bummer to have the winning ticket and not cash it in. I'm not a lottery player. I don't think you need to be either. It's kind of a waste of money for the most part. But if you do happen to hit it, it's probably good on you. Is anybody going to agree with me on that one? Uh, they figured out it's going to be about $260 million after taxes. I think I could live off of that. But what Solomon is describing here is the spiritual winning lottery ticket, wisdom. Because what, 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 do, what does a, a windfall like the lottery do for us? Well, uh, it, it, it gives us life. It, it helps us with our today and our tomorrow. Can everybody agree that financially, if you get $260 million, you're probably going to be okay. But he says, it's, wisdom's not just a today and tomorrow thing. Wisdom is a yesterday thing. Because what you go on to say, he says, it, this, these words, these wise sayings, they're healings. Uh, to the wounds of your flesh, to the things that have already occurred. Anybody here want to do over in life? Anybody here done some things that you're like, man, wish that hadn't happened. Wish I hadn't have chosen that. Can't go back and rewrite history, but wisdom can help you with your history. Wisdom can help you understand that God wants to redeem your history and use it for your good. Uh, wisdom, it's a spiritual lottery ticket, man. And he goes on and he describes essentially what he's telling these kids to remember. He gives them four things. And uh, so we're going to learn those things this morning. Can you stand up with me? It's cold in here, so we're going to do some quick aerobics. Let's do them together. Here we go. Uh, we're going to learn four things together today, four things that Solomon wants his sons to know that God wants us to know. Uh, and he's going to start, first of all, by talking about guarding your heart. Everybody take one hand, go two hands, and everybody say, guard your heart. Say it like you mean it. All right, so the first thing we're going to learn is to guard our hearts. One more time, what do you do? Okay, the second thing we're going to learn, everybody go blinders with me. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Everybody uh, make the shh sign. Ready? And we're gonna, no, no, don't say shh. Just make the sign. <laughs> Stay with me. Everybody say, watch your mouth. Whose mom told them that at any time, maybe over Christmas? Uh, watch your mouth. So what's the first one? And what's this one? All right, now we go to this one. Everybody say, fix your eyes. 
Okay, so we're going to start with, we're going to move to, and we're going to, okay, and the last one, you got to get a little aerobic. Everybody put your hands out like this and act like you're walking the tightrope. You don't have to move. I know you're in aisles and stuff, but just act like you're on a tightrope. Maybe like a toe shoe thing. It'd be fun. This one is stay the course. Everybody say stay the course. So what's the first one? Second one? Third one? And the last one? All right, let's talk about these. Have a seat. Oh, that's what it is. If you set your Bible on the keypad of your iPad, everything goes to the left, just so you know. That's what's been happening. It's like, why can't I make this thing stop? This is wisdom for a new year. Let's talk about some wisdom for a new year. The first thing that Solomon wants his sons to know is that they need to guard their hearts. You and I, listen, if we're going to go further in our relationships with Christ, if we're going to go further into surrender to him, the first thing that has to happen is the guarding of our hearts. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. There's another song from my past. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Anybody ever sang that one? Some of you did, some of you don't. Some of you, some of you didn't go to church growing up, and every time I do this, you're like, seriously, another song from your past? Can you just... But there's this song from, from you know, church past that, that basically talks about this river of life that flows out of us. Uh, Jesus talked about it in John chapter 7, that there's this, this spring uh, from, from whence the rest of life flows. And, and he probably got it here from Solomon's uh, wisdom to his sons. He, so Solomon says, listen, man, you've got to, uh, the, the Hebrew word is nasir. Everybody say nasir. Nasir, you've got to keep your heart. Because from it flows the rest of your life. It, it's, it's, it, he doesn't, the Bible doesn't describe the heart as the heart all the time. But, but here it, it's, it's kind of apt, like, like, you, you need blood to survive. Does everybody agree that your blood is pumping right now? Some of it's very cold for some of you. Um, but, uh, but your blood is pumping. It carries all the oxygen that your organs need to, uh, you know, continue to live. And, and that blood comes from the, the pump, and the pump is your heart. And so in the same way that your blood is pushed out of your heart to the rest of your body so that you can live, so it is that whatever's in your spiritual heart gets pushed out to the rest of your life and dictates how you live. So we've got to guard it. That's what that word nasar means. It means to, uh, to keep, to watch, to guard. It's like uh, uh, building a fence. We have this garden out back, uh, this, uh, this uh, community garden that uh, many of you uh, farm at and several a community farm at. We've given over 10,000 pounds of fresh produce to local, isn't that great? It's amazing. To local food banks in the, in the uh, time of its existence. Uh, but, but about two or three years into it, we figured out that, that something was going wrong. The, the plants weren't flourishing, and, and we, uh, we have experts in this area that serve us uh, back there as volunteers, and they said, oh, we know what it is. It's the bunnies. There's too many bunnies living on the back 40 here, and every time the people leave, the bunnies arrive, and they start eating whatever's there. And so if you've been out there, you know that we've built the force field. It's made out of wire. There's as much of it going up above the ground as there is going down below the ground because bunnies dig. But it's an amazing thing. Once we built the fence, the garden grew. Solomon, in another, uh, writings, uh, another one of his writings in the Bible, he, he talks about his relationship with a woman uh, that's just called the Shulamite. It's his, his future wife. Uh, he might even be talking to some of her kids in the book of Proverbs here, uh, but in their courting relationship, 
uh, he t- he's talking with his wife, and they're getting, it's getting hot and heavy. They're getting very impassioned for each other. They're about to cross some lines physically uh, that uh, God has ordained that we do not cross before marriage. And, and the wife, the Shulamite, is the one who says in, in Song of Solomon, t- uh, chapter 2, verse 15, Oh, uh, catch for us the foxes. The foxes who ruin our vineyards. She's basically uh, saying, hey, God, guard our hearts. Keep us from doing anything that would pull us away from your best for us. Keep the bad stuff out. Now, sir, this word keep also has another meaning. In other parts of the Old Testament, it's translated uh, tend, uh, to, to nurture, to help flourish. And again, I go back to the garden. We all understand that. Anybody ever had a garden? If you want your garden to grow, you've got to take care of it. You gotta, sure, you've got to not see or build the fence, keep stuff out. But, but there's these crazy things that grow up within the garden. They're called weeds, right? And if you've got weeds in your garden, uh, it doesn't matter how much you water or fertilize. If they're, if they're there, they're going to take the nutrients that you have for the good stuff, and they're going to hog it all from themselves. And so if you're going to want the good stuff to grow, you've got to get rid of the weeds. So a good gardener knows, get rid of the weeds and feed the fruit. Feed what I want to grow. Pull out what I do not. I love both here in this understanding of this idea of keeping our hearts with all vigilance. We've got to guard them. We've got to tend them. We've got to nurture them so that they can flourish. We've got to understand what God's wisdom is for us. We've got to put it in here so that as it flows from us in our hearts, it flows out into all of our choices, our words, our actions. How can you help your heart flourish this year? Well, over the next month, it's a great time to kind of get started on this. There's lots of things getting cranked at our church. You can join a life group if you're not in one. You can choose to sign up for discipleship, and you can get one-on-one attention from the some 100 people who have signed up to disciple people around here uh, who, who would love to be your partner and you growing up in your faith. Uh, you can start up with Alpha, like we mentioned earlier. You can attend this, this retreat that's happening at the end of this month. It's called the Refocus Retreat. We've never done it before. I'm so excited for it. Uh, myself and some of our staff are going to take people away, and we're going to kind of have this 48-hour period of just quieting ourselves, taking time to refocus our priorities on our God. You can serve in ministry. Uh, you'd be amazed at the uh, amount that you get from serving. You think you're going to give, and God does so much to teach you about himself in your service to others. Uh, you can, you can uh, sign a, a card and, and, and put some names in the wall. Over here in this corner and in this other corner, we, we've had these little notches uh, carved out of our walls and, and back, you know, and, and, you know, years ago when the earth's crust had yet to harden and I was first here, um, we, we talked about people having those that they would be praying to receive Christ. And, and so you maybe hear Brad talk about it in some of our worship sets. You, you can actually, this year, grow in your faith by sharing it with someone else. There's lots of ways to work on your heart, to guard it, to tend it, to nurture it. But that has to be of our, our highest priority this year if we're going to go further in our surrender to Christ. Jesus talks about it. In Luke chapter 6, he's teaching his friends, and he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Uh, Trees bear what they bear. He says, listen, uh, each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. Everybody, that's like first grade science, right? 
Uh, but he says, listen, a good person out of the good treasure of his, say it with me, heart produces good. And an evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, he, he, he just refines it to our words. He says, out of the abundance of our heart flows our words. But out of the abundance of our heart flows our actions. Out of the abundance of our heart flows our lives. How's your heart? What's it set on? What's its priority? Because whatever's in here comes out here, comes out here. The second thing he tells us, the first one is what? Guard your heart. What's the second one? Watch your mouth. (laughs) That's not how he says it. But anyway, Solomon says to his kids, he says in verse 24, put away uh, from you crooked speech. And put devious talk far from you. He's talking about two kinds of communication. The first one, he's just talking about crooked speech. Anything that's not straight, that's not true, he's talking about lying. Quit your lying. We lie all over the place, don't we? We lie to other people, whether it's exaggerations, white lies, or blatant, bold-faced lies. Gotten some of those? Then we lie to ourselves. We look in the mirror and say, fine. I am who I want to be. This is perfect. I need go no further. And what Solomon says is, hey man, quit lying. Tell the truth. Does anybody think your life would be better if you quit lying to yourself? Does anybody think your relationships would somehow flourish and improve if you would just quit lying to each other? Some of you are like, no, I need to lie. I need to tell them I'm okay when I'm not okay because that's what keeps us okay. No, for a time, maybe. But guess what? You're a time bomb, liar. And someday you're not going to be able to keep the lie anymore, and it's going to go, and that relationship is going to suffer. Isn't it better to speak the truth in love, to deal with things honestly? Solomon says to his kids, amen, no crooked speech, don't lie. And then he says, don't, don't let anything devious come out of your mouth either. You know what devious talk is? It's anything that would deviate us from God's best. In in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about us not having any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. It's anything that is less than whole, anything that is less than holy. And all of us, I could preach a, a series of sermons on our tongues, all of us need help with this one. I'm fluent in sarcasm. It's my second language. And sometimes I let sarcastic things slip out of my mouth that ruin nights at my home. I'm the king of uh, uh, being involved unwillingly sometimes in gossip and slander. I'm the king of angry words. Sometimes I just get mad. You know how I get it out? And whatever comes out of my mouth is out of my mouth. And it's like toothpaste in the toothpaste tube. You can't get it back in. Solomon says, hey, fellas, run a check. Make sure what you're saying is going to be for the good, because that's wisdom. He says, if if you can't control those things, picture yourself taking all of those things, all those lies, all of those uh, devious words that that could destroy and, 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 and deviate from God's best, put them as far from you as possible. We all get this. Who's ever sat next to the chips and salsa out on a dinner night? Okay, uh, I am, as you can probably tell, a lover of chips and salsa. And I, 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 like, I eat chips and salsa like I'm breathing. 
I'm not, I'm not going for, like after a while, like the first basket, I'm tasting the chips and the salsa. I'm enjoying it. My palate is being pleased. But baskets two, three, and four, it's, it's just, I'm just doing this. I'm just, it's like, it's like punctuation. I'm just talking, hey, let me get a chip in here. Okay, you know. And there are, there, you know, most times that I go out with Eleanor to a Mexican restaurant, I have to do this. Get those chips away from me. And Eleanor will take the cup of salsa and the basket of chips, and she will put it on the chair next to her across from me on the table so I can no longer reach it. Because as long as it's not this far from me, I'm cool. But you put it anywhere in here, it's going in here. The same thing with our words. Hey, if you're married this year, can you quit fighting, and while you're fighting, talk about divorce? Can you do that for me, please? Can you refuse to use the D word in your arguments with each other? You ask any counselor in here, anybody who works in our account, if you, if, if you talk about divorce, you've taken one step towards it. And it should just be an automatic. For Christian marriage, we're not going anywhere. I mean, certainly there are going to be conditions where marriage is in, and I understand that. But, but for, the, for the, main, you know, the mundane kind of run-of-the-mill type arguments where we disagree or we don't you know, see eye to eye, the D word is not appropriate. Put it far from you this year. Being harsh with your children may be effective right now in getting them to do what you want them to do, but it's going to have long-term effects on your relationship with them. Can you maybe tone it down for the glory of God and choose wisely your words? We want to guard our hearts. We want to watch our mouths. What's the last, next one? We want to fix our eyes. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, let your, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. He's talking about focus. He's talking about uh, making sure that your, your focus doesn't move away from God's glory and his best for your life. Who, who remembers the staring contest you used to have as a kid? Maybe you still do them with your kids. Uh, but we, we'd be on a bus trip somewhere as little kids, and we'd just say, all right, uh, one, two, three, stare down, and, or whatever the name of the game was. And, and then the, what was the game? You just had to stare each other in the eyeballs for as long as it takes for someone to look another way, or what's the other one? Blink, you can't blink. Now, everybody understands your eyeballs need the blink. You gotta get some moisture on those things, otherwise they'll just dry out. Uh, so so it, was, it was basically a blink off. But I was thinking about blinking this week when it comes down to focus and staring. Uh, it's not just signifying that you've lost the stare down game. Uh, spiritually speaking, if you take your eyes off of Jesus, if you distract yourself with the world or your flesh or the things that, you know, that are to the left or to the right, uh, license and legalism and all the other things that can distract us from who he is, uh, you know, that, that gets us off of our focus. But, but you know what? This is what I figured out. Every sin that happens is a blink. Think about that. Think about sins in terms of blinking. Because one minute you're focused on Jesus. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed, right? That's another song. But then in another minute, someone says something or, or, or something you know, happens in your life, and all of a sudden, your heart is no longer transfixed. Your focus is no longer on your Savior, and you blink. It's in those blinks that you and I sin. 
that we move away from God and his glory and his best. And what Solomon is saying is, hey, fellas, no blinking. I'm not just talking about craning your neck left and right. I'm talking about no blinking. Fix your eyes straight ahead. The last one is this. First one's what? Look what he says. It says verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet, and then your, all your ways will be sure. You know what this word ponder means? In other parts of the Old Testament, it's translated make level. It's basically talking about know where you're going before you go. Look before you leap. Used to live out in the woods of eastern Canada, and uh, you know we weren't smart enough to build bridges back then. Uh, so we would throw rocks in creeks. Anybody ever crossed a, a creek on some rocks? You get big enough rocks, and then you just basically do this. And then the last one's always farthest. Right? And that's how you cross the creek. That's your path. Hit the rocks, not the creek. I always had these idiot friends who were like, I'm jumping it today. I'm totally going across the creek. I don't need the rocks. And they'd back up as far as they could in the woods, and then they'd start running towards the creek, and they'd be like, uh, and then right in the middle of the creek, they'd fall, right? And they'd have to go home, couldn't play anymore, because they totally got themselves all wet, because they didn't ponder their path. You know, uh, <laughs> we get what we got because we chose where we went. We are who we are because we walked that path. And Solomon says, that's not wisdom, fellas. Wisdom is knowing where the rocks are and choosing to put your foot on those. This year, as we ponder our path as a church, as you ponder your path as an individual, I want you to think of an old Spike Lee movie. It was called Mo Betta Blues. Don't think about the blues part, but just think about Mo Betta. Mo Betta. I've said that. I think that movie came out in the early 90s. I've used Mo Betta. It's part of my personal vernacular uh, and has been for the last 20-something years because that's the life I want to live. I want to live a Mo Betta life. I want more, and I want what I have to be better. For our church, I want more people trusting Christ this year than I've ever trusted Christ before. Last year, just under 100 folks put their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to double that this year. I would love, listen, I don't think it's unreasonable. Is there 200 non-Christians in our community? Uh, yeah. Do they need a savior? I said, do they need a savior? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if they met him? So I, I'm praying. I mean, at the very least, I'm praying for more people to follow Jesus Christ this year as a result of us. You know how that's going to happen? Somebody like Alpha. It'll totally be Alpha. You, Mark, you're going to preach your head off this year. And people will come to Christ left and right. I pray those things are both true. But you know how it's really going to happen? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The gospel doesn't get shared except that those who have the gospel share it. And some of you, you've been walking into work with people who are going to hell for years. And it's never registered with you. You've gone to school with friends whose eternal destiny, destiny is not with God. And it just, for whatever reason, has kind of passed. 
without you noticing. I pray that this is the year. And everybody in here, by the grace of God, gets to share the gospel with somebody. That everybody in here, as God would allow, uh, would have the courage to speak up for their faith. It'll make a difference in your spiritual lives. It could make a difference in their eternity. I pray that more people come to this church. People ask me all the time, how many people go to your church? I get asked this all the time by other pastors, people I've you know, seen from my past. Hey, Mark, you're a pastor. How many people go to your church? You know what I tell them? Not enough. all you got to say? You go to any church, that's the answer. Don't ever memorize a number. Just remember, there is never enough people glorifying their God on a Sunday morning. He made all seven billion plus of us to make much of him. And unless all seven billion plus of us start doing that, our work as the church is not finished. I don't know if you knew this, but our church is uh, like so many of the churches in our country, church attendance around the country is down between 5 and 10%. It's just a, a telling time of our age. Uh, and, and we could sit here and say, yeah, it's just how it's going to be. Church is going to continue. No. 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 Not this church. We don't let trends dictate our mission. We let God institute what he hopes for us, and then we pursue it with him by the glory of God and by the grace of God. But here's the deal. I'm praying for 500 more people to join us this year in our church. 500 more people. And somebody say, Mark, I pray that's true. You better, you know what you better, get that blinking billboard out there on 60. If you do more advertising, I bet you more people would come. And if you, would, if you could just preach better, I bet you more people would stay. <laughs> but you know how 500 more people are going to show up at Bay Life Church this year? Wait for it. (laughs) Those who are here, bring them. Those who are here, pray them into the seats next to them. Those who are here, invite and offer. That's how that'll happen. That's the more part. I want the better part. I personally, I do want to be a better preacher for you guys. Uh, Like any job, you can kind of get used to how you've done it. And forgive me if I've just kind of rested on my preaching laurels, but I want to be a better preacher for y'all. I want to be a better leader for y'all. And God's uh, dealing with me on lots of those things. I want to not, not be a tyrant. I don't ever want to get there. But I don't want to be just, eh. I want to push you for the glory of God. I want to push us into the next things that he has for us. I think it's going to be a year to, of growing and expanding and building and, and, and things changing. And I want to lead well through that. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. Most of all, like I told you at the beginning, I'm just sensing a renewing in my spirit. And I'm loving it. And I just want to do this, not because it's my job, not because I cash a check, but because It's the God I love, and it's the church I love that I do it for. The text finishes in verse 27. It says, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your, not your foot away from evil. Uh, So so, so we're going back to the focus thing, and and we're talking about walking steady, staying the course. My mom is, uh, you know, in her early 70s, she's developed some inner ear issues, like vertigo, kind of vertigo, there's a name for it, but I can't remember. And so uh, she, she can't walk in a straight line. 
Like literally, we call, this, I love my mom, we call her the drunken sailor, okay? Because she'll get up you know, from her chair in her living room and she'll want to go to the kitchen over there, but she'll do one of these. And then finally she'll catch herself and then she'll walk to the sailor. And her kids are, I know, we're jerks, our kids are cruel, but we have a great time. And she's got a great sense of humor, so we laugh about it a lot. But there are times where her drunken sailorness um, can be an issue, like when it snows. Like I was there last Wednesday, or excuse me, last Friday, and, and, uh, and it was snowing a, a ton in, in Illinois. And so we all decided, because we were you know, dumb, to go driving around in the snow to, to a bowling alley. And so we were the only ones bowling at the town bowling alley, uh, my family and our nieces and nephews. And uh, we all went in different cars. My mom drove hers, and she was with my older sister and my son Ben in their car. And so she gets out of the car in this parking lot that is just dusted with snow on top of ice, and she starts to try to walk to the bowling alley. Does anyone guess, want to guess how this goes? I mean, you add the, uh, you know, the addition of slippery to the, you know, the drunken sailorness, and this, you know, she's all over the place. Here's my son, Ben. Gets out of the back seat of the car, uh, just starts hustling past his grandmother, and, and almost knocks her down, and just kind of looks at her <laughs> as he's trying to get out of the snow and into the bowling alley. Now, to his credit, he's not been around snow a bunch in his life. He doesn't really understand my mother's condition that well. And so he was just trying to get in the bowling alley, and I was holding the door for my mom, and I said, Ben, go get your grandmother. <laughs> oh, and he, you know. <laughs> and he, he, he did the grandmother hold. He grabbed her left arm with his left arm, put his right arm around her, and they shuffled towards the door. It's like, so, Grandy, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't know you couldn't walk. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Let me encourage you with this as we close. Some of you might be wondering, well, Mark, it's all well and good. I, I, I want to guard my heart. I want to, you know, watch my mouth. I want to fix my eyes. I want to stay the course. But, but I'm like this as I'm doing that. I'm, it's like walking the tightrope. I feel like I'm going to fall off. Here is the promise of your God. I'll help you walk. Yeah, you're going to teeter and totter. Certainly on your own strength. All of these things are impossible, but I go with you. Solomon's dad, David, uh, was writing in, 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 the, in the book of Psalms, and I'll leave you with this. He says, um, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction and out of my miry bog. He was stuck in some mud. He says, he set my feet upon a rock. He made my footsteps secure. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. And he said, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You know how people outside of here come to know who God is and trust in themselves? It's when people who are inside of here, who know him, and who determine at the beginning of a year like this, I'm going to live wisely. I'm going to guard my heart I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to fix my eyes, and I'm going to stay the course, and I'm going to let God carry me through the whole thing. It's, it's when that happens that people outside of here say, that person, there's something different about him. And the whole world comes to know who Jesus is because those who know him trust in him to help them live their lives. So may God grant us that grace. Can I pray with you right now? Let's pray. Hey, Lord, uh, we're sitting here this morning. Thanks for your word and the truth in it. And I want to pray, God, that as uh, we move forward in this year,
that you would lead us into everything that you have for us, that you would keep us laser sharp in our focus, that you would help us, God, to be careful with our words, that you would uh, uh, build a fence around our hearts and, and set us about to tending what's in there, weeding out what shouldn't be and, and helping grow what should. Uh, but Lord, we're gonna trust you to lean on. We're gonna trust you for everything that we lack, everything that we need. Get us uh, in, in groups of people, in relationships with people who can encourage with that. But God, most of all, get us in life with you to where you have um, our arm, our, our lead, and, and you guide us through life. I pray that for us as individuals. I pray for that for us as a church. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a great year, church. Let's have a great year together in serving our God. God bless you.